I'm on the train approaching the Roskilde Festival grounds. The train stops at the final destination, which is the Roskilde Festival platform, and people are getting off the train. Most of them use an electronic travel card to pay for their trip. Then they go to the entrance, where they show a QR code on their mobile phone. And then they get a bracelet so they can enter the festival grounds. Welcome to Anthropod. My name is Marie Kolling. I'm a researcher at the Danish Institute for International Studies and part of an anthropological research project with the long title After Money, What is Debt? Indebted Urban Poor Households in Emerging Cashless Economies. The voice you can hear reporting from the Roskilde Festival belongs to my colleague in the project, Camilla Ida Raumbüll, from the University of Copenhagen. It is the summer of 2018, one of those rare Danish summers where it's extremely hot. There's a concert going on. I'm standing at the back, where people are sitting on the ground in small groups. There are lots of people around me, drinking and talking. A girl and a boy seem to be having an argument. They only see each other. They don't notice the young woman who's picking up their used beer cups from the ground. A girl gets up to get another beer. She scans her credit card at the beverage stand. When she finishes her beer, she can return the cup and the refund value of the cup would be transferred directly onto her credit card. Roskilde is the largest music festival in Denmark. And since 2017, it has been cashless. The aim is to make transactions easier, simpler, uh, for the festival attendees, uh, also safer by way of reducing theft or reducing that people lose their money. Um, so by keeping everything digitally, it's transferred or taken directly from your bank account, and in this way, your money is kept safe. The Roskilde Festival is part of a larger trend in Denmark, where 80% of all transactions are already cashless. For most people who take part in the festival, it's a huge advantage. However, for a certain group of people, it's more complicated. The thing is that most people don't bother to go and refund their cups or their used bottles and cans. So instead they throw them onto the ground. So the festival needs people who collect the refund. Like Florica here. What should I do with a credit card in Romania? What should I have on it if I don't have a job there? 
Florica and many of the other refund collectors are Roma from Romania. Roma are the largest ethnic minority group in Europe. 80% of the 10 to 12 million Roma who live in Europe live in poverty and are excluded from the banking system. My sister had a bank account, she's in Romania, and uh, after six months she didn't use it, so they had to close it down. Camila has been doing fieldwork with Florica and other Roma migrants for the past five years. I've been doing fieldwork since 2014, and I continue to be in close contact with them because they live and work in the city of Copenhagen, where I live and work. For this episode, Camila followed them to the Roskilde Festival. Cashlessness is something that the bottle collectors increasingly talk about in the streets because they can see that there is a steady turn towards new cashless initiatives. There is an uncertainty of what will happen next year at the new festivals, if they can get their money. We wanted to see how they tackle a cashless setting and what the festival does to accommodate them. I saw it as a way in a micro setting to study the benefits and, and the limitations of a cashless society. It could be a, a micro case example of a cashless future. I'm together with my research assistant, Simona Barbu. We talked to a couple of husband and wife, taking a short break from collecting refundable bottles, cups and cans at the festival. Miara is a short woman um, with a long skirt and big brown eyes. Sorin is a little bit smaller than Miara. He has a limp, so he doesn't walk as fast. And what do you work with in Copenhagen? We, we collect bottles. We don't do anything else. And we follow the big festivals. So let me ask you about Roskilde. How much did you pay? We bought it from an African guy and it was 7,000 krona for both of us. Normally the tickets cost around 2,000 krona bought more tickets and then they made business with it because they charged more for the tickets. So you paid this man in cash? Yes. On the spot. And uh, could you have bought the ticket online instead? As people do don't have credit cards. They couldn't buy the tickets to the festival online. And at the time that the tickets were released for sale in the ticket shops, they didn't have money either. We could have if we had the money, but we didn't have money before coming here. We came here on debt, and we, uh, after we got here, we could pay the person. Yes, that's why we are here. To pay off the debt? It's normal. It's normal that we have to pay. 
So you borrow the money from people in the community, not from the bank? No, no. No, no. No, we can't borrow from the bank because we don't have an income. Most of the Roma families uh, who live in the poor parts of the neighborhood in Romania have large debts to local money lenders. And then they give an interest rate on the loans. And the interest rate can be between 30 to 70 percent. So very high. That means that the debt, they grow very fast. Um, they grow so fast that they very often can't possibly repay them. So what they do is to repay some parts of the loan to keep the moneylenders happy, or they take out a new loan with another moneylender to repay loans of an older date. In that sense, they're caught up in spirals of debt and never envision to become free of their debt. That idea is not an idea they have. They will always have debt, but they now try to interest, keep the debt and minimum. We owe them around 18,000 Romanian lei. 18,000. And how much do they borrow? So we borrowed from several people and we took around 2,000, 3,000 from each. We to take a you see that uh, your children don't have food and you don't have wood in the winter to make the fire in the house to keep it warm, then you, you borrow because you don't have other solution. So the money that they borrowed was to pay for those kind of expenses? It's hard for the migrant bottle collectors to get a ticket to enter the festival. And once inside, all payments are cashless and require a card or smartphone that in turn requires a bank account. But the festival is trying hard to accommodate them. The festival has taken into account that there are certain persons who are unbanked. They've made cash payout stations and enrolled people like Henrik here. Um, hi, could I ask you to introduce yourself quickly and say what your role is here? Yeah, uh, my name is Henrik. I work at the cash station here at Rushkill Festival. Uh, it's the cashless uh, festival here, so we are the only apart uh, department here at the festival which has uh, cash and can deposit them for the pant collectors here. In Danish, so refund is called pant. So a pant collector means a refund collector. But that's also an important part of our job, to make sure that they also have a good time, and not only the guests here. The idea is to include them so they can get the, the money that they work for, because they do work quite hard with collecting all the refundable items from the festival ground. If they didn't pick up that, the Roskilde Festival would have to pay immense sums of money to clean up after the festival. And could you explain to me, in your words, how this cash refund system works at Roskilde Festival? Well, the, the way it works is there's the pan collectors, who are our main uh, resource of where we actually use our, our resources for. 
and uh, they go and collect the, the pants here at Roskill Festival and go to the pant booth and get uh, a receipt and also a card where they put the money inside. Then they'll go to our cash station and get the money paid out in cash. I asked Henrik why the festival needs to be cashless at all. It's more for people's securities because there were a lot of theft both last year and a lot of years before that because people ran into other camps because they know there were cash there. And we also want to minimize the money laundering because you can, of course, if you pay with cash here, you can't see where the money comes from. So that's also one of the main things that Roskiller really wants to beat out of, of the festival here. Having no money is also a minimize of money laundering. So that's also an issue we kind of work around. And that's why we only made it for the pan collectors, because we know where the money is coming from when we pay them out. Can you help me to make this round number for me, please? A man comes to the counter to cash in the value of the refundable items he's collected during the day. He puts some receipts and plastic cards on the counter. They have developed these swipe cards, which are called cash cards. Basically, it's a plastic card that you store value on. Okay. So how, how much money can you have on a cash card like that? Can I collect for 10,000 kroners of bottles and then get it all in the card? Or how does it work? Well, we do have an uh, upper limit of 3,000 per card, because um, we can't have that, money, that much money on our cash station at one time. Okay. So the limit for 3,000 is mainly for practical reasons? Yeah, it's mainly for practical reasons, so we can control the cash flow at our station. Um, and it's more or less so we actually can also, with the pen collectors, say, well, you need to come by us as often as you can. Also to make sure, because this cash card is the same thing as if you're running around with cash. So if you lose it, there's no refundable on it. So of course, come and collect as much as you can, just to be sure that you have the money on you. Okay, so I'm just I'm I'm just gonna ask a stupid question, right? So the idea is to make the festival cashless, but yeah. you still want people to come every evening and get the cash in order for it to be safer if they lose the card. Hmm. Yeah, the the thing is, we want to be cashless, but we haven't figured out how to do it with the pen collector shit because they want to have it in cash so they can actually count the bills, and of course we need to respect that. So that's why we made the cash station an option this year. And we're trying to figure out how we can do it better in next year to make it more cashless, but also thinking about respecting the pen collectors in their decision on how they want to have the money in, in their wallets. Mm -hmm. So your experience is that they prefer to have cash? My, yeah, they really want to have the, the money and that's also why they come on so often to our station because they don't feel so safe having them on a card because they can't see it and they're not used to the system. Um, so the first couple of days we actually had people coming directly from the pan booth here over to our cast station. The festival is trying. But how are the festival's efforts experienced by the migrant bottle collectors? Would they rather have cash than the value cards? Camila talks to Florica to find out. Florica does not waste time. I see her moving fast between the crowds of people, swiftly. She's a tall woman, uh, very, very slim. Um, and she has a long skirt. She smiles, she has a very charming smile. And she smiles to the festival participants when she picks up their cups from the ground. 
Poți să explici cum e o zi lucrătoare pentru tine aici la festival? Da. Dimineața ne trezim. Yes, we wake up in the morning. Tot ce am trus de cu noaptea, stăm la rând și așteptăm 2-3 ore să băgăm sticlele. All we collect during the night, we wait in the morning in a line to deliver at the refunding stations. După ce am băgat sticlele, luăm banii. After we deliver the bottles. When Florica fills uh, her bag with bottles and cans and broken plastic cups and everything that has a refund value on them, she moves towards uh, the refund station. While she waits in line, Half an hour, one hour. she uses the time there, because the line is quite large, to sort the items. Separate the cups, the plastic cups from the bottles and the shots from everything. She sorts them into cups, into broken cups, into shot glass, piles and into cans and into bottles. When she's done sorting, it's almost her time in the line to return her refund items. So she takes the bag of bottles first and the people behind the counter, the volunteers who count the refund, they pour out the big bag on the counter and start calculating how many bottles does she have. And then she collects, she counts the final sum. We, we deliver the bottles, they give us a receipt with the amount, and then in the morning we cash in the money. Then the sum is put on the cash card. She goes to a cash payout station. Uh, we give the card, and they gave us back another receipt. At the cash payout station, she goes to the counter and hands them the card, and then they pay out the value on the card in cash and she gets a receipt of the transaction. Yeah, I think for everyone it would be easier if you can just collect every, all the amount at the end, because then you don't have to worry about them keeping the money on you or anything else. Florica is less worried about money being digital than what I had expected. She's more concerned about the loft of the 3,000 kroners on the swipe card which means that she has to cash it in daily and lose time in moving from the refund station to the cash payout station. Because every minute counts. Every minute is money. Her entire family is dependent on the money that she earns during the festival. The festival being cashless makes things much easier for the average banked person who can return refund items and have the value inserted straight into a card that guards the money safely. For the unbanked, things are by far more complicated. But being a bottle collector at a cashless festival does have some positive aspects. And then you save the receipts? Yes, everything. Pentru că ne-a mai controlat poliția, ne-a luat buletinele, chiar ne-au scos și banii și tot ce avem în geantă. Because the police searched on us and they took out everything we had on us, our IDs, our money. 
și am zis, avem tichetele, ne trângem sticle și pahare. The receipt proves to her how much money she was paid out at the cash payout station, but it also proves to the people who might ask what she's doing there, what she's working with, that she's working with refund. I'm more scared of the police than the people around here. That makes sense. It is important for her because they are continuously questioned by the police on the camping ground, what they're doing there, why they're there. They're very frequently searched. The police stop them, search their bags, search their, search their bodies and question their whereabouts on the festival. By having receipts of the refund process and also of the payout process, she can show where she was at a given time, um, in a given place. It gives them a sense of being able to prove their legitimacy that cash does not provide. It surprised me quite a lot. Both I, but also Henrik, who we talked to, thought that people didn't trust the digital system because they couldn't see the money. But after a while, they learned that they could trust it. Florica, Sorin, Mioara, and my other research participants, they quite easily learned to navigate this digital system. I always keep my bag on me. Uh, I wear it around my neck. At the cash payout station, Florica shows me her purse. It's a small uh, black leather purse with a string around her neck. They have a string around the neck because they're afraid that the purse will get stolen. Their things are frequently stolen when they sleep at night. She has neatly sorted receipts, bundles of banknotes. The coins are in a small pocket with a zipper. And then there are the cash cards, uh, plastic cards on the side. She has many different kinds of value in that little purse. So what conclusions can we draw from the festival example? Well, we can of course learn that cashless transactions are easier, faster, smoother, and also safer for a certain group of people. But it's not so simple for those who are unbanked. In that way, it's a simplicity that works in two ways. It's simple for an exclusive part of the population, but it can also exclude others by shutting itself around itself. I find the concept of exclusive simplicity uh, fruitful to grasp the complexity at stake. What can we say about what would happen to unbanked Roma migrants if the entire system went cashless? If the refund system in general became like cashless, I'm thinking that it would open up a niche for middlemen who have credit cards to say, let me help you. If you collect a refund, I have a credit card, then I can, you can, we can install it on my credit card and I can deduct it for you afterwards. I can take it out of the bank. So if the entire refund system in Denmark became cashless, there would be a niche in the street community or in the street environment that would be appealing to those people who have credit cards and say, if you pay me a commission fee, I'll help you out in getting your money. That's just one potential scenario that could happen if you made the entire refund system cashless. We're already seeing an example of this by the way that my informants get the tickets to the festival. They don't have credit cards, they can't buy the tickets online. 
They have to go through middlemen who have tickets and buy them in the street. And they pay twice or three times as much for the tickets as the rest of us do. I think it's almost inevitable that there will be a sub-economy. Uh, nobody envisions that cash will, uh, will be totally eliminated. There will always be cash dependency and there will always be certain niches that are cash-based. One of them is the street economy, where cash is important because it feeds into uh, many different interests that might not necessarily be... people don't want to disclose. An increasing number of spaces in our societies are turning cashless. Our example shows that cashless initiatives easily become barriers for those on the margins of society. But it also shows that they can bring new opportunities and skills. You've been listening to Anthropod, the podcast of the Society for Cultural Anthropology. My name is Marie Kolling, and this episode was produced by Camilla Idarambul and myself. If you would like to hear more about cashlessness and its consequences, we've prepared two interviews with leading anthropologists on the subject. One interview is with Atre Sin, who is head of our research project and associate professor at University of Copenhagen. The other interview is with Gustav Peoples, who is associate professor at the New School in New York. The interviews are available on the Anthropod website. We want to thank all the participants in this episode, especially the Roma women and men, who let us record their experiences, as well as the Roskilde Festival staff and volunteers. To know more about our research project, go to the homepage of the Department of Anthropology at the University of Copenhagen at anthropology.ku.dk. You can subscribe to Anthropod via iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and you can also find us at callant.org, that's C-U-L-A-N-T-H dot org. Thank you for listening.